You are stuck with the old guy. If you want to hear the new guy, you'll have to come back next Sunday. So uh, we just uh, are excited. I'm sure you'll be excited. More excited to hear Pastor Dave than maybe me this morning. But I'm glad to be here. And I heard a joke this, this week that I have not heard since I was a kid in church. And it goes like this. I want to start off this way. A preacher bought a horse and he trained the horse very, very well. And he trained the horse to stop on hallelujah and go on praise the Lord. And things were going along well until one day something spooked the horse and the horse started right for the cliff. And the preacher was tongue-tied. He couldn't remember the commands to the horse. And so he was going amen and glory and all these words and nothing was working. And all of a sudden he said, hallelujah. And the horse stopped right on the edge of the cliff. And he went, phew, praise the Lord. <laughs> Let your imagination go. Wisdom, that's what we're talking about. It's so important this morning and we need to choose wisely. 20-some years ago, 20-some summers ago, our, our family was visiting a place called Columbus, Ohio, in the great state of Ohio in the U.S., and we were sightseeing and touring all over the state. And in our travels, we, we were treated to a delicious breakfast at a restaurant called Der Dutchman. Never heard of it before, but it is a very big thing in Ohio and the Midwest, and it had the tastiest buffet that I've ever seen in my life. It had uh, all the pastries that you could imagine. It had all the different kinds of eggs cooked different kind of ways. Uh, there were waffles and pancakes and fruit of every imaginable fruit from around the world. And there was cold cereal and hot cereal. I just need you to know that this was no Hampton Inn breakfast or Holiday Inn breakfast. This was a buffet breakfast like I've never seen before or since that day. Our oldest child at the time was Seth. Um, he was about three, maybe not even quite three. He was just a little guy, but man was he ever fixated on the mound of bacon at the buffet. <laughs> and he kept going back for more bacon, more bacon. Daddy, more bacon. And when I take him back, he'd eat more bacon. He went back so many times we thought he may start oinking at any point <laughs> or grow a curly tail out of his back, but that never happened. Have you ever considered this? Why do we like buffets? Why do we like them? Maybe it's because there's an endless choice of variety. Maybe it's because we can eat the things we really like and leave the things that we don't like. Or maybe it's because we're, we always leave full. I have never gone to a buffet and said as I'm driving away, man, I, I could have had some a little bit more. I should have went back one more time. Now, I feel like the comics, the guy that ate too many hamburgers and had a wheelbarrow for his stomach as he's going out <laughs> of the restaurant. A lot of people identify with this statement when it comes to buffets. The only regret I have is that I have but one stomach to fill <laughs> when I go to the buffets. As we walk this fine line between gluttony and buffets, ask yourself these questions. What is the best buffet you've ever attended? Do you remember this place, the spot? What is the best banquet you have ever attended? In Proverbs, we discover Lady Wisdom openly discussing that there are two banquets. There are two invitations to two banquets, only two. And she says that there is the invitation to the banquet of the wise, and there is the invitation to the banquet of the foolish. 
Those are the only two banquets, and those are the only two invitations in life. The banquet of the wise or the banquet of the foolish. The language in Proverbs 9, which is the Proverbs that we are in today, declares that every one of us in this room and around the world will attend one or the other banquet. All of us will either attend the banquet of the wise or we will attend the banquet of the foolish. Again, the language of Proverbs 9 makes it clear to us this morning that there is a banquet that you want to avoid and there is a banquet that you want to attend. Any guesses on which one you want to attend? The banquet of the wise. Any guesses on the one you want to avoid? It's the banquet of the foolish. Solomon is concluding in chapter 9 his introduction to the book of Proverbs. It is a long introduction for the book of Proverbs, nine chapters. But by pl- he places us in chapter 9 at the end of his introduction into the, Proverbs, uh, into the book of Proverbs by placing us directly in front of a decision. So he is putting us in this introduction right smack dab in front of a decision or choice that all of us must make in our life. It is a critical juncture. It is a critical decision. It is a critical choice that is very important. Because every one of us, every one of us, will eventually sit down to a banquet of consequences or benefits from the choices that we have made in life. We will all sit down to a banquet of consequences or benefits from the choices that we have made in life. So it is critical for our life to make wise choices, amen? And not to make foolish decisions. So let's dive into Proverbs 9. In Proverbs 9 we find in chapter 1, wisdom has built her house, she has carved its seven columns. It is an impressive home in this verse. With seven pillars, it indicates that it was a magnificent and well-constructed home. The number seven suggests that it was perfect. The Lord's number in the Bible, if you don't know this, is seven. It means perfection. And so by saying that wisdom has built her house and she has carved it with seven columns tells us that this is a pretty special place. That this is a magnificent structure. That this is a perfect place. And it has status, and it has wealth. In verse 2, she has prepared a great banquet, not just a banquet, but a great banquet mixed with wines and set the table. This was a Der Dutchman banquet. This was a Der Dutchman buffet with all of everything and mounds of bacon. <laughs> she, was, she has sent her servants to invite everyone. So the servants have gone out into the city and, and is inviting not a select group of people, but is inviting everyone. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city in verse 3. Wisdom is calling to all sectors of society, from the poor to the rich, from the underprivileged to the privileged. It has an invitation for everyone. In the New Testament, there's an invitation given by Jesus that says what? Whoever calls on my name will be what, church? Saved. Born again. Eternal life. Everyone. It is an invitation for who? Everyone. We see that in the, in the New Testament, and we see it here in Proverbs chapter 9 as well. In, in verse 4, come in with me. 
She urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says. In verse 5, come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. In verse 6, leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Say that with me, church. And begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. In the first 12 verses of Proverbs 9, we see a clear intention for everyone to an invitation that goes out for everyone to invite everyone is invited to attend the banquet of the wise but in the last 6 verses of proverbs 9 we see a clear invitation almost an identical invitation as lady wisdom has given us in the first 12 verses and the next 6 verses we see an almost identical invitation going out to the city to attend the banquet of the foolish Look in verse 13. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. Folly is so ignorant and so arrogant that she doesn't even know she's ignorant and she doesn't even know that she's arrogant. Do you know anybody quite like that? I'm sure we all have individuals who are coming to our mind right now. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city, same as Lady Wisdom. In verse 15, she calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Now this is a different invitation to a different group of people than we see in the first 12 verses. There are people who are minding their own business. There are people who are wise and smart. There are people who have knowledge in their life. They're doing okay in life. And she throws out an invitation to them. Come in with me, she says in verse 16. She urges a simple same as wisdom to those who lack good judgment, she says. But this is the difference. Stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know, say this with me, church, the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. There are a lot of similarities between these two invitations. Both appeal to the simple, both appeal to those who are lacking judgment, and both go out to all areas of the city, inviting people to attend their banquets. However, there is one major difference between the two invitations. The invitation from Lady Wisdom is an invitation to come to the banquet of what, church? Of life. Come to my banquet, she is saying, and I, I will give you life and transformation, and understanding, and your life will be vibrant and energetic. And then the invitation that comes from Lady Folly leads to what? Death. Those are two very opposite contrasts, are they not? Wisdom says, come to my banquet and you will have life. Folly says, come to my banquet and you will be led to what? The depths of the grave. Death. That's a pretty big difference, is it not? The invitation may be similar, but the consequences of attending one or the other banquet, that's huge. Life or death, I don't know about you. I know which one I want to choose. Death. Or excuse me, life. <laughs> See, I, I was just seeing if you're, if you're awake this morning. That's what we call a lie in the church. That was just a slip of the tongue. <laughs> Oh man, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> I, let me say that again. Let's back the bus up and we're going to try this again. I know which banquet I would like to attend. 
life, not death. Every one of us faces this decision today, this choice, life or death. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is a very basic and simple one. Do I accept the invitation of wisdom or folly? That's what it really comes down to. Whose invitation will I accept? I I honestly believe that most of us want to eat from the table of wisdom. Amen? And we genuinely want to avoid folly's banquet. I, I don't know of anyone who says, I want to be a fool. I, I don't want to be wise. I, I want to eat at Folly's table. No, all of us, I think if we dig deep enough within our being, we will say, I want to be at the table of wisdom. Maya Angelou said this, she said, life is a glorious banquet, a limitless and delicious buffet. I would strongly suggest adding a footnote to her statement, it depends on which banquet you attend. For that statement to be true, it depends on which banquet you attend. And if you attend the banquet of wisdom, that's a true statement. If you attend the banquet of folly and foolishness, that statement is not true. The invitation between wisdom and folly becomes a choice between heavenly understanding and human understanding. That's what it comes down to. Heavenly understanding or human understanding. Perhaps... Two excellent questions we should contemplate this morning would be this. The first one is, what or who is wisdom? From Proverbs 9, who or what is wisdom? Well, wisdom in Proverbs 9 is none none other than Yahweh, the God of Israel. It's God Himself. Being expressed by Solomon in a poetic style of writing. The wisdom expressed in this chapter and in the book of Proverbs is Yahweh. It is a heavenly wisdom. It is a godly wisdom. It is wisdom from God Himself. If wisdom is Yahweh, then we need to ask ourselves this question, what or who is folly? If wisdom is Yahweh, God Himself, the God of Israel, and our God, then who is folly? Folly also represents a spiritual power. Do not be misunderstood. Do not misunderstand chapter 9 or the book of Proverbs. Folly is a spiritual being, is a spiritual power. An evil and corrupt force that desires to lure Israel away from the true holy God, Yahweh. The Apostle Peter gave this warning about folly in the New Testament. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, stay alert, Peter said. Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Say this with me, church. Looking for someone to devour, to pull away from wisdom, to pull away from Yahweh, to pull away from God, to pull away from our Lord and King. Israel was constantly invited to attend Folly's banquet. And oddly enough, Israel accepted the invitation so many times. If you look at the Old Testament, you can study it for yourself this week. You'll discover Moses goes up on the mountain and he's up there for a very long time. When he comes back down, Aaron, his brother, has made a what? A golden calf image so that Israel could see a God that wasn't alive but could have this golden calf to worship. 
What happens? They accepted the invitation of Folly to attend Folly's banquet, and it led them and pulled them away from Yahweh their God. We see it over and over again when they begin to worship Baal and Asherah and Molech and so many other idols that we find in the Old Testament. Folly's first invitation, do you know where that happened? In the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, where they received knowledge. According to Kerry Newhoffs, here's the problem with obtaining knowledge in Genesis chapter 3. He said, Adam and Eve had the knowledge of God without the wisdom of God, and it was a trap. Think about that for a moment. I'm going to explain it for us. Adam and Eve, when they ate of the, free, uh, of the fruit of the tree that they were not supposed to, received the knowledge of God without the wisdom of God, and it was a trap. Adam and Eve instantly knew when they ate from the tree of knowledge, but they also lacked the power to properly address and solve the challenges that arose from eating knowledge. Take a look at the story of Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Being a little snarky, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Here's the wisdom of God. Boom. This is what you're supposed to do. You won't die, said Folly. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be what? Opened as soon as you eat it. And say this with me, church, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And say this with me, church, she wanted the wisdom it would give. God had already imparted wisdom. Do not eat of this tree. Do not even touch the fruit from this tree. But they, folly comes along, the devil comes along, gives the invitation, and what happens? Oh, I'm going to be wiser. Smarter, better, I'll be like God himself. Sounds good to me. But where did that banquet lead Adam and Eve? Outside of the garden, on a one-way path to death. Knowledge always looks beautiful and delicious, does it not? Look at verse 6. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Having the knowledge of God without the wisdom of God lacks the power of God to navigate knowledge. Let me say that again for you. Having the knowledge of God without the wisdom of God lacks the power of God to navigate knowledge. Adam and Eve received knowledge when they chomped down on the fruit. But they lacked the godly wisdom, the power, the authority from Yahweh, from God himself, to navigate that knowledge that they had received. Knowledge without wisdom, without the wisdom of God, it, it's destructive. 
It leads us to a place that we do not want to go. It really explains to me, in my mind, as I read Genesis chapter 3, and then I look at Proverbs chapter 9, and then I look at the Bible, and then I look at my life, and then I look at the lives of other people, then I go, this really explains a lot about humanity. It really does. It explains a lot about our history as mankind. The access to information and knowledge in 2022 is by far the greatest in the history of mankind. Never has there been a time in our history where we can access knowledge like we can today. Want to be knowledgeable? Ask Google. You know how many times a day we say, well, let's just ask Google. We do it all the time in our house. You, you want to be an expert? I've watched a couple of videos on how to fix my car. Now I'm a, I'm a mechanic. Like there's all kinds of knowledge at our, at our fingertips. However, it could be said that we are the least wisest generation in the history of mankind. We are the most knowledgeable, but we are not the wisest. We lack wisdom in knowing how to handle knowledge. Perhaps this explains why we constantly misuse knowledge in our life. It's because we lack the wisdom of God. We misuse knowledge when we do not have the wisdom of God. Folly wants us to be knowledgeable. Don't, don't misunderstand me. The invitation in Proverbs chapter 9 is clear. She wants you to come to her banquet. She wants to, to give you knowledge. She wants you to have understanding in your life. But she wants you to have understanding and knowledge without the wisdom of God which is destructive. And looking at Adam and Eve, what would have happened, do you think, for a moment? Just let your imagination go. What would have happened if they had used the wisdom of God and not accepted the invitation from the serpent? There's a good chance we may not even be here today. They'd still be camped out in the Garden of Eden. Let me try to say it differently for you this morning. Let me say it this way. We can be intelligent and still not have the wisdom of God. There are a lot of intelligent people today. But there are a lot of people who do not have the wisdom of God. I've noticed that something happens when we have knowledge without wisdom. You know what happens? Pride happens. I think it's the greatest sin that's plagued mankind since the beginning. Pride. And when pride happens, generally death happens. It was true for Adam and Eve. It was their pride. The enemy fed their pride that led them to eat from the tree that they were not supposed to. It's true for us. The enemy invites us to attend the banquet of the foolish and we, we bite on the hook and we end up in a place that we do not want to go. Folly is arrogant and ignorant, taking you further than you want to go and costing you more than you want to pay. It leads you to a place of death and darkness. Look at verse 18. But little do they know that the dead are there and the guests are in the depths of the grave. Not a great place to be. I don't, maybe you don't agree with me this morning, but that is not a great place to be. How our wisdom leads us to life. Look at verse 10, 11, and 12 of Proverbs chapter 9. 
the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. The f- Say this with me, church. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. If Adam and Eve had just had a little bit of the fear of the Lord in the Garden of Eden, rather than bite on the hook that f- Satan and the serpent was trying to convince them that if they ate of this, everything would be better in their life. When God had strictly said, don't eat of this, if they had had a fear of the Lord as the foundation of their wisdom, they probably would never have nibbled on the fruit. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days in verse 11 and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Notice how personal it becomes. If you embrace wisdom, you become wise, you will benefit. But if you scorn wisdom, who doesn't benefit? Who suffers? You suffer. It is reverence for God. It is reverence for God, not pride, that unlocks the mysteries of time and eternity for us. The reverence of God. There are two banquets, there are two invitations in Proverbs 9. The question is this morning, what table will you sit at? What banquet will you show up at? Wisdom or folly? Pride or reverence for God? There's a sobering story about a little mouse who found itself on the top of a grain, a jar filled with grain. The mouse was so happy. It had so much food, it no longer needed to search for food. It just camped out on top of the jar, eating the grain, day after day after day. But after a few days, the little most discovered that it had reached the bottom of the jar and the grain was gone, but the most was what? Trapped. It had no place to go. Suddenly, the little most knew that it couldn't get out. It was indeed trapped. And that it was at the mercies of other people to feed the most or let it starve. I know what I would choose this morning. And this is not a mistake. I'd let that most die. The most now had a choice. Excuse me, the most now had no choice. It had to eat whatever was put in the jar. There are a few lessons that we can learn from this story. Short-term pleasures can lead to long-term traps. A short-term invitation to go to Folly's Banquet will have long-term consequences. If things come easy and you become comfortable, it's a trap. When you are not using your skills, you will lose more than your skills. Freedom does not come easy but it can be lost quickly. Realize that, that wisdom gives us what we need. Choose wisely, church. Choose wisdom's invitation to life, not folly's invitation. Because you know what folly's invitation really is? It's an invitation to attend your own funeral. That's what it is. Hebrews 10 says this, 
Let us, excuse me, Hebrews 12 says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. Say that with me, church. Let us run with endurance. Let's personalize that. May I run with endurance. May I run with endurance. The race that God has set before us. We do this. How do we do this, church? Say with me, by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Choose, choose the banquet of wisdom by keeping your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Because when we look at folly and we look at the enemy and we look at Satan and his invitation to attend his banquet, may the Lord give us wisdom that we're minding our own business, going through life, Proverbs 9 says. They were minding their own business and they heard the invitation and showed up. That we can recognize the enemy's invitation to attend the banquet only leads to our death. But may we be wise, amen? Hear the voice of Yahweh. Hear the voice of God through His Holy Spirit. Come to my banquet is the invitation. And when you come to my banquet, there will be life. There will be energy. There will be enthusiasm. There will be help. And you will benefit from this by hearing and heeding His wisdom. There's a lot of knowledge in this room. I'm just wondering how much wisdom of God is in this room. Do you have the wisdom? Do you have the direct line to God praying and seeking His voice and His wisdom in your life? Please, please, please hear the right invitation and accept it, which is the wisdom's invitation. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? Team is going to come and lead us in the song this morning. I'd just like to ask this question this morning. Maybe there are some in this room who have accepted, like the Israelites, have accepted folly's invitation far too many times, and it has led you to places that you didn't want to go, and it cost you more than you wanted to pay. And there are times in your life you struggled to hear the right invitation and you're seeking and making a statement today I want to hear the Lord's voice I want to hear his invitation I want to attend the banquet of God's wisdom that's you would you just put your hand up I'd love to pray for you this week our staff would this morning Uh, this week we'll pray for you thank you yes thank you thank you thank you is so important. Your whole life and your whole eternity depends on this moment to recognize which invitation you will embrace. Attend. Accept. Father God, we thank you for the hands that went up this morning and we realize that in life we've made some poor decisions that are ungodly and lack your wisdom. We are sorry for that. We confess and repent of it and we ask that we're seeking you and we want to hear your voice this morning. We want to be pursuers of your banquet table of wisdom. We not only want knowledge, but we want the wisdom of God that goes with it. We want to know you, God. 
And we desperately want to know when the enemy is whispering in our ear to attend a banquet that will be to our death, that we could say, not a chance, not going there, and continue on serving you and following you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the celebration that will be after this service. We do it all for you, Jesus, and to your honor and your glory. We run the race set before us by keeping our eyes fixed on the wisdom that comes through Jesus Christ, empowered in our life through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.